The Astros head into the All-Star break in about as apropos way as possible. The final out recorded by Jose Abreu striking out. While the first half of the season hasn't played out ideal, there's a lot to be optimistic about. Let's talk about it next on episode 31 of Stone Cold Strows, and it starts right now. Welcome to Stone Cold Shows. I'm Brandon Strange. I'm joined by senior content contributor Charlie Palillo. Follow him on Twitter at Palillo and read his weekly column on sportsmap.com. Next to him is Josh Jordan. He's sportsmap.com's editor. Follow him on Twitter at JoshJordan975. And be sure to hit like on this video. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. The full version of this podcast on the audio form is already available at places like Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, when you're not watching Sports Map content, be sure to listen to our sister platform, ESP 97.5 and 92.5 on your radio dial. Guys, episode 31. Charlie, who's your notable Astros number 31? Not a real stack deep number in Astros history. Colin McHugh of recent vintage. Great guy, as well as a couple of good years pitching. Uh, I play ball with, among others, uh, a guy named Corey who claims to have pitched Five slow-pitch softball, no hitters. So I'm going to go with Don Larson, Ooh. author of the most famous game pitched in baseball history. Perfect game as a Yankee, 1956 World Series. Late in his career, he had a good season, actually, in 1964 after the Colt 45s acquired him. He pitched one game as an Astro early in 1965, became the Astros, moved to the Dome. They then traded Don Larson, whose career was over a couple of years uh, later, uh, Don Larson, relatively briefly, but a noteworthy number 31 in Astros history. Uh, it's hard not to go with 2017 World Series champion Colin McHugh. I'll go with Kendall Graveman, who uh, was part of that game six from the 2022 ALCS, that cool strike them out, throw them out montage that was set to ACDC's Thunderstruck. Uh, struck out Maul, Shaw and then Maldi threw out Verdugo to end the inning in the top of the seventh. So thought that was a uh, just a really cool moment. Well, let's guys, let's get right into it. The Astros drop the series against the Mariners going into the break. They get absolutely carved up by Seattle pitching. Uh, Maldi being the only offense over the last two games was not on my bingo card for sure. Uh, you know, look. Dana Brown gave us some good news, though, says Jordan and Altuve will begin rehab assignments on the other side of the break. So taking everything into account, what we've seen, what we're looking forward to, what did we learn from the first half? And then how does that kind of project going into the second half for the Astros? Taking, taking lots of grains of salt with Astros provided injury updates. Uh, the most pedantic response would be Jordan Alvarez is very good and very important, and Jose Altuve is right behind him. But the Astros are living life like most of the world lives it, as a non-super dominant power. They'll start the second half on pace to win 89 games, which is very fringy to make the playoffs. What the Astros are right now is just another team contending. There are multiple teams obviously better than them. There are others that could wind up better than them, and, and they miss the playoffs. But it's all right there in the second half. Offensively, it's essential that Alvarez and Altuve get and then stay healthy the rest of the way. But their pitching, right, still rates very highly, but it's been leaking oil very badly. If the pitching is not better down the stretch than it's been the last month plus, the Astros are not going to make the playoffs. 
They're still top five in all the team pitching categories, overall ERA, starting pitching ERA, bullpen ERA. But since June 1st, they're 16th. That is below average. Christian Javier, a disaster. Rightfully skipped a turn. Nice to know the Astros listen occasionally to Stone Cold Strohs, heeding our advice of a week ago. Uh, Hunter Brown over his last seven starts, a 5.70 earned run average. Imagine if Maldi hadn't taken over catching him, how bad he'd be. Uh, the bullpen has sprung multiple leaks. The Bielaks and Dubins and Blancos of the world, no chance that's enough to cut it unless at least Javier or Brown gets back to where they were before their recent funks. Javier, 9-1-4 ERA over his last five starts. It's more than an air pocket and explains why the Astros gimped into the break 15-18 and 18 over their last 33 games. So it's all on the table. They still have seven games with the Yankees, seven games with the Red Sox, six with the Orioles, six with the Rangers. Frankly, it should be a whole lot of fun as long as you get to your desired outcome. And for the first time since 2015, the Astros and Rangers are both in the race in the American League West. So it should be a wild and crazy two plus months. <laughs> I like that reference there, Charlie. I'm going to go to Altuve and Jordan. That, that's a huge part of it. Those guys have only played 13 games together this season. In those games, the Astros are 10-3. and three. So pretty important to have Jordan and Altuve going for you. I look at the team ERA. They're second in ERA. They've, they've been first for most of the year. They fell just behind the Braves. So they're still pitching well. Um Jose Abreu, though, you know, as hot as he's been, he's still seventh worst OPS in baseball of players that qualify. So, God, let's hope he can, you know, whatever was happening recently, not super recently, but, you know, the last month he's been a lot better. Hopefully that continues because you're paying a guy that much money to, to be bottom 10 in baseball in OPS. That, that's a big concern. Abreu had a good June, not a superstar June, superstar compared to the trash heap he was through May. But an 821 OPS in June, very good and very, very playable. Well, first nine games of July, 660. So overall, he's been one of the worst everyday players in baseball. Uh, if we're going to put further heat on individuals, the left side of the infield, Jeremy Pena has made essentially zero progress in his sophomore season. Now, it doesn't mean a career path is linear and that maybe it's next year he makes a leap. But in the here and now, Pena's not a good offensive player. He's walking a little bit more. He's actually striking out a little bit less. But batting average, down. Slugging percentage, down. OPS, down. It wasn't good as a rookie. There are plenty of guys who've had postseasons that you go, oh, my God, David Eckstein, uh, Eckstein won a World Series MVP with the Cardinals. Bucky Dent won one with the Yankees. Couple of shortstops who weren't exactly big time offensive players before or after. Jeremy Pena is 25 years old, so he's not a young phenom, though there's certainly still growth curve room in his career. But he hasn't been very good this season. And then there's Alex Bregman, who at least has been healthy. Good news, bad news. He has the most plate appearances on the entire roster. The problem is Bregman batting second or third almost every night has been an epically mediocre player. Goes into the break five for his last 35. So he had that month where he hit 350, which was nice, but it's about the body of your work. No 300 hitter hits 300 every month or 300 every week. No 200 hitter hits only 200 every week, every month. Alex Bregman, you added up. Frankly, he looks like his skills are diminished. At just 29 years of age, I wonder the cumulative toll, the leg problems he had for a couple of years, 
The Bregman was last elite in 2019. He's showing nothing that indicates he's about to get back there now. He did have a monster August last season and then petered out again in September. Uh, Alex Bregman, cash on the barrelhead next year before free agency, $28.5 million. He's nowhere near worth that so far in 2023. What I take away from the first half is the Astros have been incredibly lucky up to this point. And sorry if I'm a broken record about this, because I know I've said this on this format a couple of times, but championship runs are fragile and an incredible amount of things have to break your way. And the Astros are now getting an up close look at what some other teams have had to deal with over previous seasons. And uh, what was that line where uh, there can be no suffering without hope? The frustrating part about this season is when Altuve and Jordan have been healthy, they've changed what this team looks like, but they just haven't been able to get and stay healthy. And obviously, uh, Charlie and Josh, as you both pointed out, they're in, they're critical to the success of this team. And hopefully uh, that runs You know, in, in the second half. We see them uh, get healthy and, and get back on track. Uh, you know, performances... Uh, from France, Belak and Blanco have given you uh, a puncher's chance in most games. The offense just hasn't been able to come through. As you were going through Bregman's stats, Charlie, I just kept envisioning all the times in which uh, bases have been left loaded uh, by batters in this lineup, including uh, Alex Bregman. Um, but by contrast, look, it's it's bad for the, the Astros, but by contrast, just for some perspective, the Yankees have entered the firing your hitting coach portion of the spiral, and there's no timetable on Aaron Judge's return. So at least the Astros can see a little bit of shimmer of light on the horizon. And I guess looking outward uh, from the Astros, uh, the Rangers and Rays don't look as scary as they once did. Uh, and the division does look like it's there for the taking. Astros were six games out just a couple of weeks ago. And then they were within a win from pulling uh, to within a single game uh, to Texas. Uh, maybe the Astros flying under the radar um, and making a late run. Maybe it's not the worst thing that can happen to this team. And if there's a big acquisition, then I'd say, look out, all bets are off. I, I'm still, even if they limp into the playoffs, I still would say it's not wise to bet against the Astros in the postseason. Guys, let's talk some Astros draft. Houston drafts Humble Native and Atascacita Highs, Bryce Matthews out of Nebraska at number 28. And I thought Chandler Rome did a nice overview in his write-up on The Athletic, talking about how the Astros are light on infielders and pitchers in the farm system, and then they address both of those positions in their first and second rounds, uh, respectively. What are your thoughts on the Astros' picks? Well, look, it's the 28th pick in the draft, so it's not like if he doesn't become a star, you blew the pick. But back-to-back years now, the Astros have two guys selected at 28 that they hope become uh, vanguard members of the next era of winning Astros baseball. Right? It said teams are built up the middle. Well, Drew Gilbert's supposed to be their center fielder of the future. Uh, Bryce Matthews, I don't know about shortstop. Uh, it is a multi-layered selection, right? Dana Brown running his first draft, spectacular dr- uh, track record of, of player development in Atlanta, um, but individual player and case-by-case basis. Uh, that Bryce Matthews is a, a shortstop, uh, 
I'm going to say it very mildly puts Jeremy Pena on notice, as talked about. Pena having a very eh second season. He's 25 years old. Uh, Matthews is 21, right? This is an experienced college guy, not a high schooler who you're thinking is four or five years away. Uh, Bryce Matthews, if he turns out to be the truth, he's pounded on the door to get to the major leagues in 2025. Uh, Plenty of people don't think that Bryce Matthews ultimately has the goods to play a major league shortstop defensively. Well, let's see. Uh, If you're good enough to play shortstop in college, but not necessarily in the pros, alternatives can be second base, third base. Hey, which Astros are free agents after the 2024 season? 34-year-old Jose Altuve and 30-year-old, not very good right now, Alex Bregman. Uh, The center field option, if you have Drew Gilbert and Bryce Matthews, is two-thirds of an outfield. Kyle Tucker's under contract or control at least through 2025. Um, You know, there's that best player available. You blend athleticism and character into all that. Uh, but that Dana Brown goes with Bryce Matthews, uh, a shortstop by trade at Nebraska, but maybe not going forward. An Astros system basically bereft of quality infield prospects. So there's your dart at the board. Yeah. Uh, my thoughts are both college guys. So in theory, maybe they get to the big leagues a little sooner than if it was a high school prospect. It, it was speed and power with Matthews. You know, I think 2020 homers and steals, something he can bring to the table. So the power and speed. That's always coveted by any kind of GM, whether it's whatever sport it is. Power and speed, there's only so many of those guys on the planet, so you prioritize them. Now, if we look at the the draft prospects list, the top 250, and if we look at Baseball America, I believe he's the 57th prospect, according to the 250 prospects list, and number 60 in Baseball America. So some might say that maybe they reached a little bit, but I'm going to trust Dana Brown's track record over me looking at a list on Baseball America. So we'll see. And then Alonzo Treadwell, big pitcher, six foot eight, four pitches, uh, a little bit of injury history. We were talking before the show, uh, a back issue. Uh, he had Tommy John in 2020. So something to factor in there, but a uh, big kid, throws hard. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. Well, I mean, he got it out of the way, right? You get your TJ surgery out of your way. You don't have to worry about that anymore. Knocking on wood. I think there's something special about drafting a guy who has hometown or collegiate ties to a city, a la what we're seeing with Corey Jolks or, uh, you know, down the street, uh, Texans and Tank Dell. I think it's just kind of of, of cool to have that. There's a, there's a rooting interest kind of of baked in there. Uh, And, and Dana Brown's his, specialty or at least his uh where where his passion is at is the draft uh by all accounts Uh, but the astros are expected to be buyers at the deadline so how does dana brown walk this line of restocking the farm because we know their farm system is not rated very highly how does he walk that line of restocking the farm while also doling out prospects to to be buyers because you're in win now mode the expectation is to win now What's the price of poker going to be, right? The Rangers made the first move, adding uh, Aroldis Chapman to their bullpen, so they get an extra month of work out of him as opposed to a guy acquired right at the deadline. The Astros, Dana Brown, faced the problem that their farm system's weak, and it's absolutely bottom 10 in Major League Baseball. So there are a bunch of teams contending with the Astros who can outbid them without doing the damage to their farm system that the Astros would be if they swallowed hard. Uh, you know, look, Drew Gilbert's an excellent prospect. No one thinks he's Mike Trout going to happen, so I wouldn't say he's flat-out untouchable. 
except I think he's untouchable for their organization, unless you're getting someone who's both very good and under control for multiple more years going forward. And I don't see the Astros having the goods to acquire someone like that. Uh, if the Cubs cash out and put Marcus Stroman on the market, free agent to be, be phenomenal addition for the Astros. Well, he'd be a phenomenal addition for a bunch of teams like the Rangers and the Dodgers and the Orioles, all of which have farm systems that just run laps around the Astros in terms of the quality that they could offer and still have more talent in their minor league system than the Astros have. So, uh, you know, if you're going to try to swim in the deep end, I think you just get outbid, but it's not as if the Dodgers and the Orioles and the Rangers, uh, the Guardians in that race of mediocrity in the American League Central, they have a deep farm system. So if there are B-listers, you know, there will be guys available, uh, but for the Astros to land the guy that you're thinking, whoa, that's Verlander-esque, forget it. They just do not have the talent in their system to come close to bidding on anyone like that. Uh, for fun, if we're going to delve into uh, names, I just threw Stroman out as probably the best starter who could possibly be in the market. Um, if you're looking to add that left-handed hitting outfielder and someone who can usurp playing time at first base from Abreu and upgrade you defensively, both in the outfield and first base, the best guy available is Cody Bellinger. Uh, and I don't want to hear, ew, never. Uh, the Astros acquired and Astros fans rooted for Roberto Osuna. So spare me any holier-than-thou stuff. Uh, Cody Bellinger's really good. He's a free agent to be. He's been every bit as good as Kyle Tucker this year. But he plays gold-glove outfield and gold-glove first base. And because he's a rental, you could still get outbid, but the price is not going to be nearly as high as it would be for someone younger, multi-year. Um, you know, if the, if the Cubs put Bellinger in play... And, you know, what does Dana Brown care about Astros fans booing a guy because of 2017 and 2018? That's a guy who would make eminent sense for the Astros. And I'd love the theater of it. Uh, well, I mean, fans booed, uh, was it uh, Bryce Matthews after getting drafted? So it's it's just, you're, they're, they're going to boo. People booed Beltron here for a decade. Yeah, and then when he came but, back. So yeah, exactly. people, if they trade for Cody Bellinger, if you're an Astros fan, you should be excited. He's better yeah. than a lot of what you're playing now. But, you know, in fairness, though, Roberto, Roberto Osuna never called the hometown team cheaters. Uh, but I guess what what does it take to get a – I mean, you've you said a great name right there is Marcus Stroman. I think that's a name that really helps fortify the starting rotation for Houston. We've talked about it. You know, I mean, look, uh, Fromber is basically your only sure thing right now. You talked about the struggles that Brown has had. Uh, I mean, Javier got skipped in the rotation to take him back to the lab and, uh, you know, try to figure out what's going on with his mechanics. Uh, Urquidy got hurt uh, early and we haven't seen him back. I mean, we've, we've mentioned it here several times. He was carrying a five plus ERA when he went down. So he's no sure thing. Uh, you've, you know, you do have uh, JP France, who's looked nice. It's been a great story, but you do have to wonder when he hits the rookie wall or if he does hit the rookie wall when that happens. So, I mean, it, it does really sound like they need a frontline starter. Can they get away with adding maybe somebody who's not a, a Marcus Stroman? Can they get away with adding someone who's maybe, uh, you know, your number three or four? Because that may be just as important heading down the stretch for them. Well, yeah, I mean, when we talk about how does Dana not give up too much but still improve the roster, 
Well, we haven't seen him do anything with the Astros, but if we look at some of these deals recently with Click, well, we look at the the Miles Straw trade where they traded a, an active player off their roster instead of a, a prospect in that deal. And then we look at Abraham Toro going over to the Mariners in that trade, another active player on your roster, not a prospect. So maybe it's a, a Corey Jolks type player or a Chaz McCormick or a Jake Myers. I'm not saying those guys are going to get you a frontline starter, but if they make one of these smaller deals, like we've seen the Astros do in the past few years, uh, I could see them using some, uh, some of their depth with some of these outfielders to maybe get something done. Um, I mean, I'd like to see somebody like Blake Snell or Stroman. I don't know if they'll have, you know, enough to go get it done and other teams have more to give as Charlie said. So we'll see. I imagine they're going to try and wait and see what the deal is with Christian Javier. I mean, that's such a big piece of the puzzle. You got to know what you have with him. Um, so I, I'm sure that's going to be a big focus of Dana is getting him fixed. You can, can stay I in pick- Chicago with Stroman, go to the South side. The White Sox are dead in the water. Lucas Giolito is a free agent after the year. Again, a whole bunch of teams can just come over the top with what the Astros offer. Um, Dylan Cease has uh, another year of control, meaning the price is going to be higher for him. Uh, I'd be shocked if the Astros had the package that could, could win on that. So uh, we'll just see Dana Brown the first time sitting in the saddle actually making the trades. Uh, he could opt to go with a pat hand, thinking that Jordan and, and Altuve, that takes care of the offense, and that among Javier, Brown, Urquidy, crossed fingers, rabbit feet, four-leaf clovers, that you have enough to get it done. Because while we're obviously Astrocentric on this, and this mm-hmm. is where who makes the big moves at the deadline can, can swing things, right? The, the Yankees' offense is a disaster. Right? Aaron Judge has missed more games this year than Jordan has. Uh, the Yankees have been harder hit in their starting rotation by injuries than the Astros have. So have the Rays, um, who have drifted back to earth, but obviously are still going to be a playoff team. But the Orioles are just oozing young talent in their lineup. It blows away what the Astros have as a lineup right now, and they're still calling up guys from the minor leagues. Yeah. They boldly try to add starting pitching where they're below the middle of the pack, but still four games ahead of the Astros starting the second half. Uh, I think the Mariners announced their presence making the AL West a three-team race quite conceivably. They have the best-looking starting pitching uh, relative to the Astros and Rangers right now. Uh, if they aggressively can figure out how to add a bat or two to their lineup, right? they're 5-2 and two against the Astros this year. If you get into a tiebreaker situation, right? the Astros are 4-3 over the Rangers. I mean, the Astros are only two games ahead of the Red Sox, who are last place in the American League East. Um, it makes for, uh, I guess, a more stressful second half than Astros fans are accustomed to. But you know, you look at the wild card, and I'm not going to say the Orioles are, are a cinch and how all those young guys handle September pressure if it gets to that. But you have the Orioles, the Blue Jays, who've underachieved. Well, their record's the same as the Astros. Uh, the Yankees, the Red Sox, and then the Rangers and conceivably the Mariners. So that's a whole bunch of teams, right? The Astros fighting, fighting a two-front war within two games in the division, but only one game ahead of missing the playoffs entirely. Um, So who can make the true impact move at the deadline? The odds don't favor the Astros pulling it off, but at least the Astros have hope with some internal solutions. And boy, Jordan and Jose better stay healthy. And the theme of internal solutions and maybe something that doesn't require a trade, uh, let me pitch an idea. John Singleton. Uh, For those that don't remember, he originally came to the Astros via the Hunter Pence trade. 
Uh, but he had a love affair with weed that basically gotten and kind of derailed his career. We're not going to hold that against him though, really. Uh, and, and what a difference a few years makes when there are states with dispensaries on every corner now, but, uh, but how about it? Um, there's, you know, he's not on the 40 man. Uh, he has no options. So this is, if you're going to make, if you're going to pull the trigger on this, uh, it, you know, somebody's going to be unemployed out of it. And, uh, you know, you don't have any, it's, it, it's make or break for him on the roster because you don't have any options. Uh, but, but, but what do you say, John Singleton? Uh, I think uh, congrats to John Singleton overcoming the cereal uh, pot problems. Uh, also alcoholism, 31 years old now, played a couple of seasons in Mexico, but that's the end of the road where I'm concerned, right? Signed with the Brewers, showed up in the major leagues. He went three for 29 there. He's just never shown an ability to put the bat on the ball competently at the major league level. Years ago when he was younger with quicker reflexes with whatever personal demons he was battling, his career batting average at the big league level is 166. Uh, I can't see him having anything material of value to add. Yeah, I mean, the sample size is so small with him. I think it's at like 13 games or something like that. But uh, the guy I would consider down there, what about Justin Dearden? I mean, we talked about him before the season started. Maybe he could make the roster. Well, we check on him now. He's hitting 276 and 834 OPS, nine home runs. So he's played a lot of center field, something the Astros might be able to use. And he's that left-handed bat that Dana Brown covets. If you're looking inside the organization, maybe he could be somebody to give a shot. And it sure does seem like it should come from inside the organization from a bat, just because once Jordan's back and assuming he stays back, uh, you, you're not going to have that many places uh, for an additional bat. We've talked about what, what happens to Yiner when, when Jordan comes down or comes back up uh, and, you know, should, you know, I mean, the, the you know, all the planets align and uh, Michael Brantley comes back from the dead, you know, assuming he, you know, if he needs a spot, then you're really in a squeeze for his places. So I, I think it probably helps if there is, if that answer for the bat does come internally, just because it really seems like they should uh, really put all their eggs in the, the pitching basket, right? That really does seem to be the more pressing need. Am I right? Yeah. And yes. quickly, I would just, I'm sorry, I would just make the argument that if you put Yiner in the catcher spot, you may not have to trade for a bat. Well, that's not going to happen. And the Astros are in a bigger picture, a potentially very perilous spot here. They're clearly not a great team anymore, right? Even with Jordan and Jose Altuve back, the pitching does not have the characteristics of greatness, right? Fromber has been an absolute beast, a pity that sensibly he was ruled out from starting in the All-Star game. But Fromber Valdez this year isn't anywhere close to what Justin Verlander was last year. And so then the trickle down, right? The Astros' number one starter, not as good as last year's number one starter, Ditto number two, number three, number four, number five, the bullpen. So there's decline there. Uh, you have some age in the lineup and contract questions moving forward. So Dana Brown, right, whose job is the general manager, and he's the first-year guy here. I mean, very, very respectful of all the Astros have accomplished in this platinum era of Astros baseball, but not specifically beholden to individuals involved. Right? What kind of course is Jim Crane going to chart in terms of payroll uh, looking forward? Um, but top to bottom right now, organizationally, no one would take the Astros over the Texas Rangers, right? The Seattle Mariners still have some offensive questions, but just in the draft, 
on uh, on Sunday, right? The Mariners added three prospects better than the Astros' number one guy that they drafted. The Rangers added one of the four supposed can't-miss offensive players in this draft. And Wyatt Lankford, who joins another elite outfield prospect uh, that they have and all kinds of young pitching coming on the horizon. And, you know, they have Seager and, and Semyon as their Altuve and Bregman. So, you know, as you look at the Astros, who could recover and wind up winning the World Series this year, but highly probably not, but they could. But 2024 and beyond, right, the cracks in foundation are evident, right, that the Astros' days as the dominant superpower of the American League West are probably over. Well, there's only so many times you can be uh, buyers at the deadline and be in win now mode. That bill eventually comes due. Uh, when you do mortgage your future, that that bill does come due. Uh, that's why we, we've said on this podcast many times, enjoy it while it lasts. This is very rare. These types of runs of dominance and excellence are super rare. What the Astros have been able to experience over the last six seasons have been nothing short, but amazing. And so... Uh, there, but there does seem to be a shot clock on it. And, uh, when it, when it does end, it shouldn't take away from the run that they just experienced. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. And another episode just flies by. Uh, that's, that's it for this. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, Charlie, Josh, and I will be back, uh, next. Actually, I won't. It'll be Charlie and Josh next week. I will not be back. I will be in Turks and Caicos next uh, next Monday. You guys don't need to know that. And I'll I'll be listening though, right? Maybe no. The oh. internet. Can I shoot you the finger? <laughs> so they will they will catch you next week. But you don't have to wait that long to get your Houston sports fix. All you got to do is just go over to YouTube, subscribe, and then John Granado, Lance Zerline, Josh Jordan. They're all going to have you covered on all of the happenings going on in Houston sports. And remember, ESPN 97.5, 92.5 FM has you covered on the radio dial in Houston. Thanks to producer Jack Brame and thanks to everyone for listening. And until next time, Ghost Rose.